Welcome to the Rest On Mission podcast, a sacred space to explore and reflect on how to find balance in an unbalanced world. You'll hear practical strategies, funny anecdotes, and inspiring testimonies of how to build a sustainable and missional life. Thank you for tuning in. Well, welcome to the Rest On Mission podcast. My name is Josh Weisbrot. I'm the lead pastor of Banner Church. And today I want to talk about how to break free from tech burnout. You know, we as a church, we work at an expansive co-working space and we have an office. And then a lot of the time, because our staff is so social, we usually sit upstairs and uh, get coffee and hang around the coffee machine and drink all of the coffee and mostly drink a lot of coffee. And in that process, I end up talking to a lot of people and a lot of people here have high tech jobs. So people who are coding or working on on the computer. And I was having a conversation with one of the guys just talking about life and really what he likes to do. And he was mentioning that he likes to produce music and likes to produce films. And I was asking him a little bit, you know, about that, about that journey of producing those things and working on the computer, especially somebody who codes. And he said, The hardest part of doing that fun activity is that he spends his workday coding on the computer. Then he goes home and he works more on the computer and then he plays some music and then he records the music on the computer. And then he's supposed to go on social media and post videos of him on doing all this stuff. And I asked him, I said, how do you keep from getting burnt out when your job and your spare time is all really heavy tech. And he didn't really have an answer for that. And so I I got thinking, in a very tech-saturated world, how do we keep from getting burnt out? Tech burnout is really an ever-increasing and ever-growing problem, uh, especially in an environment that we live in, in kind of the Western cultural context where a lot of people's jobs involve being on the computer a ton. And then the rest of our time that we're not working ends up being full of screens and notifications and data. It's really like a constant flow of data. Uh, I was reading an article actually this past week about IT leaders, and it was written specifically for people who lead in the tech world. And it was making them aware of what their phrase was the growing burnout of tech-based employees. This is what they said. I just want to read you a little bit. It's from CIO. It says, burnout is quickly becoming a widespread problem for IT organizations. The wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, mass tech industry layoffs, and the demand to keep pace with constantly evolving technology are all prominent factors contributing to a state of exhaustion among IT pros, according to industry surveys. One of those surveys was by Salesforce, and they found that 44% of full-time employees experience burnout, which is an incredible amount of people when you really think about it. Uh, They said at work, it's often heavy uh, expectations, a lack of support, and a constant barrage of information led to 44% of the workforce feeling burnt out. And the thing that I find fascinating is you would think that if we're burnt out with tech at work, when we leave work, we would want to rest and rest from tech. That when, if we're high tech at work, again, which is part of life, I think, 
that we would go home and we want to be low tech at home. But in reality, almost the opposite's true. Uh, research published in 2021, I think it's Time Magazine. Yeah, Time Magazine found that Americans in their 20s average 28 and a half hours per week of phone screen time. And I know that the response to that is going to be like, that's a millennial thing. That's a Gen Z thing. And as a millennial, I mean, that kind of is our thing. So I, I'm not saying it's not our thing. But the other day, uh, I was eating breakfast at the Broken Yoke because I'm an old person at heart and I uh, just eat breakfast and drink coffee. And that's like a thing I enjoy is just sitting around and reading the newspaper. Um, but I was there. What I noticed is <laughs> everyone who came in who was, I would say, I'll just say older than me as to not implicate anybody. Uh, they were all on their phones. In fact, couples were sitting together and uh, they were not talking and they were just on their phone scrolling or on their iPads. The other day I was with my daughter at Red Robin because Red Robin is like her joint and shout out Red Robin, endless fries. Hopefully that's still going on. It was last time I was there. It still goes. Okay, good. Um, and uh, there was a couple over 60 and they both sat down and they both pulled out their phones and they both stared at their phones the whole time and did not talk. And the waitress came over to me and was surprised. She's like, oh, it's really cool that you're spending time with your daughter and you're not on your phone. I say that all to say not to implicate any generation or, you know, boomer, or, you know, zoomer or whatever we, you know, call the generations now, but to simply say that technology is a multi-generational thing and using technology. And if we're just being so honest, overusing technology is a multi-generational issue. Uh, it's not just one of one group of us, though, you know, millennials just pretty good at it, but it's not just one group that is obsessed with tech. And I guess my, before I go any farther, I, I have to stop and say, I, I am actually a fan of technology. Uh, I, I'm not one of those people that's like anti-computers, everything's gonna be Skynet, uh, you know, all the computers are gonna eat us. I mean, it could happen, but I don't like live in that space. Uh, I actually like technology. I mean, for example, I really like working on motorcycles. And what I love about it is that you can find almost any piece of information on the internet about motorcycles. Now, some of it's good and some of it's really bad. So, you know, you got to use wisdom. But like I bought uh, a cable for my motorcycle from a dude in Delaware. I was able to share a wiring diagram on like a forum for people to give input on the wiring diagram. That's tech. I watched a complete engine breakdown on YouTube. That's tech. So there's, there's a lot of good tech out there. The problem with technology, here's where I guess I would divert, and the reason I think a lot of burnout comes, is that technology is not concerned about your well-being. Technology isn't conscious. Uh, I know some apps have limits, but like I, I did like a limit one time on Instagram, and you just push OK, and you skip the limit. <laughs> like, and that's it. Uh, and I know there's apps that you know force mindfulness, but the reality is that the, the tech burnout trend is increasing, not decreasing. That leads us to this bigger question of how do I know if I'm burned out on tech? I want to give you a couple things here. All right. So how do I know if I'm burned out on tech? Here's a couple things. First would be you struggle to hold a consistent thought pattern. Now, I'm not saying 
if you do all these things, then I'm just saying that these can be symptoms based on my research of that you might be burned out on tech. So one would be you struggle to hold a consistent thought pattern. Uh, your mind jumps from one thing to another. It rarely sits still. Your mind rarely feels at rest. Your mind rarely feels like it slows down. And when you try to process a long form thought, you struggle. Now, some people that that's a naturally a struggle for them. So I'm not saying that's a place that you're at, that you necessarily have tech burnout. But for those who traditionally forming a long thought has not been a problem, but after a lot of technology becomes a problem, that can be symptomatic. The second thing is that our eyes are heavily strained. I was reading a thing by the uh, National Library of Medicine, and they were literally following graphs and scales of increased rates of nearsightedness since um, the pandemic, because there was so much screen time in the pandemic that there's early evidence that nearsightedness took a massive just bell curve like jump um, because of the pandemic, because everyone was, you know, on their phone, everyone was on Instagram, you know, whatever, whatever we were doing. We, every meeting was on the Internet. So guys are heavily strained. The third one is you're terrible at texting back. Uh, you see the message, you intend to text back, you don't, you feel guilty. And a lot of people might think it's because you're a flaky person. And, you know, you might be watching or listening to this and, you know, people might be right. You might be a flaky person. You need to, like, learn some self-discipline. But for a lot of people, a symptom of being burnt out on tech is that you are overstimulated and overwhelmed with texts that keep piling up and piling up and piling up. And so often you forget that people even texted you because you clicked on it, you clicked off, you're like, I don't even know when that was. Then, you know, maybe someone texts you, you mean to text back, you send them a bad answer. You don't even know what you're sending them. Or like, if you're like me, if I, by the time I'm done recording this podcast, I'll have like 45 text messages and and I might just not reply to any of them till later. Like, it's just, like your brain feels overwhelmed. That's a sign. Like I might be burned out on technology. I need to think about that. Uh, but texting back, uh, you struggle to sleep. That's another one. You struggle to sleep. Uh, excessive screen time is really linked to poor mental health, but it's also really uh, closely linked to not being able to restore our minds. Uh, there was a study by Gregory Marcus that talks about um, there's a relationship between uh, screen time and poor sleep. And when they studied um, people who were between 18 and 80, they found that using a phone within an hour of going to sleep makes it harder to fall asleep. I know for some people that doesn't apply. My wife could fall asleep on a train going off of a bridge on fire, and she could have been looking at a phone 15 seconds before. I, I fall on this. You struggle to sleep. The phone makes it harder. And the last thing would be uh, you're anxious. You're constantly nervous or anxious. It can be a sign of a lot of things, but really common with being oversaturated with tech on your way to burnout is you feel really nervous, really anxious. And I think saying all these things makes it immediately sound like, oh, maybe we should just throw technology in the river. And as much as I would like someday to take all of my technology and throw it into the river and move to the woods and raise sheep, uh, it's not really practical. It's not helpful for most people. I mean, people do that. Um, but I would say it's better to make a wise decision with a healthy mindset than an emotional decision in response to burnout. So 
the purpose is that we respond uh, with rest, with purpose, with a healthy mindset than just being like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to smash my phone. I'm going to live in the woods all by myself for like a year till I run out of bean rations. And then I'm going to have to find technology to survive again. The point of this podcast and the point of really doing any of this is to be advocates for better health today and to make small choices, to make, you know, make the choices for little things that have long term impact in our life. And the other reality kind of in this podcast is I don't know your job situation. I can't necessarily speak in to be like, you should tell your boss this. I don't know the stress of your job. I don't necessarily know how to set boundaries for you there. That's kind of your space. But I I feel like there's a lot of encouragement on how we live our daily lives where we can think about how to break free from tech burnout. So here are just a couple things on how to break free from tech burnout. The first and most important key to breaking free from tech burnout is that you establish healthy boundaries. Here's the thing in life. It is no one's job to set boundaries on your life. That's your responsibility. Now, we are to respect other people's boundaries, but we have to set our own boundaries. I kind of think of it like this. Our roads have boundaries. We're told where you can drive, where you cannot, how fast you can drive, how fast you cannot drive, like how slow you need to go. And if we said, okay, we're going to take away all those boundaries, we're just having anarchy on the road, there would be immediately problems. And if you've traveled to places where there's no road rules, or if you live in Phoenix, like we live, where no one re- ex, you know, respects the rules of the road, then you know what it's like when nobody pays attention to the boundaries of the road. It's pure insanity. Um, and so even with boundaries, you know, here people ignore them and what the police enforce them, they enforce the boundaries. That's really true of life. You, you have to have some pre-established and agreed upon boundaries in your life and you have to enforce them. The question is, does your engagement with technology, which is a massive facet of your life, does it have boundaries and do you enforce those boundaries? Uh, I, I've been studying for a book that I've been writing and one of the writers, name's Couch, that I've, I've been researching talks about modern technology and quotes um, uh, Craig Gay in, in Modern Technology in the Human Future. And he says, technology has been developed to generate income, not for the primary purpose of human flourishing. And Couch's response is that he says this. He says, in many cases, technology does truly bring good into our lives. Hospitals use automated infusion pumps to administer precise doses of medicine according to a rigorous Wow, really good. According to a rigorous schedule, there we go. <laughs> Just relieving human beings of a task that even the most dedicated nurses would find hard to perform consistently. He said, when such benefit of human beings aligns with economic profit, technology, quote, wants it. But technology also, quote, wants things that do not confer any net benefit on human beings or, or other than owners of technology companies. The insurance company that pays for the infusion pumps can also gather medical data divorced from both human context and responsibility in order to make a more profitable decisions about what conditions and perhaps eventually what individuals they even refuse to insure. While these impulses are reined in to some extent by regulation, there's no doubt that left to their own devices that companies that deploy technology, quote, want this outcome too. And what he's saying here, if if I'll bring it back, what he's saying here is just because it's tech and it can have a good result doesn't mean that 
it will regulate itself, that it will produce boundaries for our lives, that it will uh, operate in some kind of like artificial intelligence sense, or the companies that create it or own it or, or use it, or even the company you work for is going to operate in a sense that is working towards your human flourishings. And that's the reality of technology, is that technology is not going to set boundaries for you. I This is something that we literally don't talk about, I feel like, when it comes to technology is every new tech we just accept and we're like, yep, awesome. But we don't ask of what boundaries we're setting on it. We're just like, yep, yes, give me this thing. And we're so saturated by it. I mean, we know, I hope we know, that we are the product of social media. And I'm not saying don't use social media. I'm just saying, how do we avoid being bought and sold consistently? I mean, we can't to some extent. But I, I really believe we can be in control of the process in some way, shape, and form by having boundaries. Things like, how long will you use technology in the day? If you set a time and you can't abstain from going over that time, you don't have boundaries. Right? Think of any product or substance. If you cannot give it up, if you cannot regulate or abstain from it for a period of time, then you would be considered addicted to that thing. I think a lot of us are addicted to technology. So how long will you use it in a day? Uh, maybe what tech will you use and what technology will you not use? You don't have to use every piece of technology that comes your way. Uh, when will you use it and when will you not use it? And what's great is when we set those boundaries, it's actually good for our mental and physical health. So it's good for your health, even though it might stress you out to set boundaries. It's good for your health. Set boundaries. The second thing is to embrace boredom. You want to break free from tech burnout, you have to embrace boredom. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I remember as a kid, when you had to wait for something, you actually had to wait. That might be dating myself here a little bit, but when you were a kid and you were waiting, like if I'm uh, after soccer practice or baseball practice, if you're waiting for someone to pick you up, you were either talking to your friend or sitting in absolute silence. Like those were your options. You did not need a mindfulness app to make you mindful of your surroundings and aware of the world. If you went to the doctor's office, there was three magazines. And if those magazines were gone, then you were just mindful of every excruciating detail of the doctor's office. There was no phone to pull out and scroll. Like if you didn't have, um, what was that, what was that magazine called when you were a kid? Highlights. Yes. Yes, if you didn't have highlights, like that was it. Like you, I wasn't going to read people. So I'm just, I'm just practicing mindfulness uh, around the doctor's office. And I know there's a, a big mindfulness movement going on, and I appreciate it because they want people to be more aware of what's happening right then and there. Uh, but it turns out, I guess, as a kid, we were just practicing mindfulness all the time because we were bored. There was nothing to distract us. And so we just paid attention to the world around us. Uh, I was listening to a story recently of a man who spent time isolated in Alaska hunting, and they asked him, you know, what's the hardest part? And he said, I wasn't prepared to be that bored. A lot of technology has allowed us, I think, to escape that boredom. I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, I was in the DMV titling a motorcycle. I was waiting in line, and I made the foolish choice of going in the lunch hour. And if you ever need to go to the motor vehicle department, however you MVD, DMV, 
Don't go during the lunch hour because you and every other person in your city will also be there. And as I was waiting in line, I was like, you know what? Everyone around me has their phone out. Everyone around me is looking on their phone. And so I thought, I'm not going to pull my phone out. I'm just going to stand here. I'm going to look around. And so for like 30 seconds, I'm looking around and I realized I'm the only person looking around. And immediately I felt like I looked like I was trying to case the joint to rob it. And so I told myself in my brain, don't look suspicious. And I'm playing that clip from Parks. Don't look suspicious. Don't be suspicious. So I'm just playing that in my mind. And I'm realizing as I'm now looking around, I'm like, don't look for the security cameras. Don't look for the exits. So, and now I'm like, now I feel like I am for sure casing the place. And it was like, I felt anxious. And I felt like other people were like kind of side-eyeing me from their phone. Like, why doesn't this freak have his phone out? Why is he just experiencing life in the DMV? Why isn't he escaping this linoleum plated hell that we're all in? And so what did I do? I pulled out my phone and just went on Instagram because I was just, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be the only guy looking around the DMV without an answer. And I realized, you know, obviously, humorously, like, I have I lost the ability to be bored and, and in a healthy way? And the healthy way maybe to rephrase that and rebranding is, uh, you know, mindfulness, kind of how like basic got rebranded aesthetic. We've now rebranded boredom into mindfulness. You know, have I, have I lost that ability? And I think a lot of people feel bored from a sense of FOMO or stress, but there's a sense of good boredom that we're soaking up through technology, like waiting in line, we're on our phone, sitting in a restaurant, we're on our phone, conversation you don't understand with people you don't know on your phone, you're home after work on your phone. But the, the kind of major counterpoint to this idea is that boredom is actually good for you. The Mayo, the Mayo Clinic found in their studies that the, the boredom is actually good for your brain for, for two reasons. One. It restores your brain, so it allows your brain to close functions. The brain has to end one task, then process, and then reset again. This is why my wife, when she's home with all three kids and they don't stop talking, when they go to bed, it has, we need quiet so that the brain can stop and reset or else we'll go crazy. And this is why moms who are home with multiple kids are saints, because our brain needs to reset. This is called default mode network. So when people are in this state, this is from the Mayo Clinic, a lot of things happen in their brain. They consolidate memories. They reflect on lessons learned. They play through scenarios. They apply what's learned for the future. They think about themselves and others. They reminisce about the past. They dream about the future. It's really good in restoring your brain. That's one. Two is the second thing. Not only does it restore your brain, but the brain begins to develop creative solutions. So it restores your brain, but boredom also helps you be creative, which I know it sounds crazy, but go with me on this. This is why your best ideas happen in the shower and they used to happen on the toilet. <laughs> I feel like we could retake the, like we would have the greatest scientific achievements that man has ever created if people stop going to the bathroom with their phone purely because so much time is spent on the phone in the bathroom. Uh, and dudes, you know what I'm talking about. It used to be on the toilet. Maybe there's one book, but you were just in there thinking. It was the pondering throne. Now it's just a place to look up YouTube reels. 
But that's why the shower still works because the shower you can't bring your phone into without, you know, some some general strong work in a waterproof case. So the shower still lives this place where your brain resets, it rests, it wanders. And in the wandering restful state, it increases its creative solutions. So that this is why I want to encourage you that embracing boredom, it sounds weird, it sounds lame, but it's actually good for you. If you go to a walk with no music, if you go to the beach with no music, some of you are like, this guy's a psychopath. Go to the beach with no music. I'm just saying, try it. Sit quietly, stand in line with no phone. Some of you are just going to turn the podcast off after that one. Drive to work with no music or podcast, except for the rest on mission podcast that you should all like and subscribe to. I guess that's maybe shooting myself in the foot, but it's worth it. Uh, eat a meal without looking at your phone, like eat a meal alone without looking at your phone, like notice your food, uh, sit and reminisce about the past. That's a good one. I don't know. Just pick anything. Bird watch. I, I don't know. Pick something. Um, all of these have really positive benefits to heal your mind from tech burnout. Okay. Here's my third one. Be silent. If you want to break free from tech burnout, one of the keys is to be silent and follow me here. Not unintentionally, but when was the last time you were intentionally quiet for a period of time? One of the wildest experiences that I had was I went with a spiritual formation society and we went on a silent retreat and I didn't really know what I was getting into, but it sounded cool. And I figured we'd be quiet for a period of time. When I went up and we stayed at this old resort that uh, Frank Lloyd Wright had built, it was very cool. And we had the whole place to ourselves and we went and we prayed together and we worshiped together, read the word. And then they said, okay, at the sound of this uh, bell, I think it was, we're all going to be quiet for 24 hours. Now, we were all still there. There's about 35 of us. We're all still there. But we all had to be there and be quiet. Like, we walked around the place, total silence. Went to our rooms, total silence. We um, we ate in total silence. That was weird. Like, we were just there next to each other eating, but we couldn't talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, just hearing other people chew. That was a big one for me. It took time to get over. Um, I ate outside. <laughs> But uh, but we were just there and still. And what I found it was an amazing time just waiting on God. You know, Psalm 62 says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. And I think in silence, we draw more deeply into a listening posture to God. And some of you just even hearing that might give you anxiety. Some of you, you might just do this naturally. But as we think intentionally, I encourage people all the time, just try to go one hour with silent, no music, no talking, embrace the moment. This is why I love hunting and fishing. It's already love fishing because hunting, you break the silence a little more often, but fishing, you're just silence. There's something about when you pause long enough for your ears to hear nothing, just like hearing nothing. It, it's really powerful. And silence does something to us. It actually allows our mind to catch up from the barrage of media and information we've received from technology during the day. Uh, there, there's a few studies, one by Healthline, that says silence actually increases brain growth and increases our processing ability, so much so that it'll lower blood pressure, decrease insomnia, and reduce cortisol. Like it literally will change our, our physiology. So here's a couple of things. Here's what silence does. It allows our mind to catch up. But it does a couple other things. It forces us to stop. So you, you can't accomplish a lot while being silent. 
And in a fast-paced tech world, I think this is really important because it helps us pump the brakes. It helps us stop for a second. It also stretches us. It, being silent can be really uncomfortable, but it's not harmful. So that's kind of nice when you do things that stretch you but don't you know, hurt, is it teaches us something, how we can be okay when things are uncomfortable. And then it also, it helps us listen in a world of noise. You know, some of the wisest people I know are some of the quietest and some of the most uh, foolish people I know are the loudest. And I think when I'm at my most foolish is often when I'm at my most talky and less listening, you know, to use the scientific terms. And I think that's part of the drive where technology is always knocking on the door to pay attention, to respond, to speak. And yet then we read in scripture in James the writer says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think those are linked. But I want to give you last one, and this might be extreme for some people. It doesn't seem that extreme, but I started sharing it with people. This is my very last thought on how to break free from tech burnout. And when I share this, people say like, well, I, I might need to be accessible all the time. You know, I get calls and emails. So obviously this isn't for you. I, I might argue that you don't need to be accessible all of the time. But I understand some life situations allow for that. But this is for people who are really on the verge of tech burnout. And you're like, how do I break free? I would say this is the simplest way to break free. This is the simplest way to break free from tech burnout. Leave your phone at home. The simplest way. I know you're saying like, he's a madman. Leave my phone at home. How will I find my way to anywhere? Uh, some of you have done this by accident and almost died. My wife practices this frequently. She's a very spiritual person. Uh, and she just is unfazed if she doesn't have her phone. She's just like so confident in herself as her being. And I love her for it. Um, but this is for people who struggle with tech burnout. And I understand you might have a role where you need to have your phone on you. But for many of you, you need this. Go somewhere and leave your phone at home. Go somewhere. I'll give you some, some uh, qualities. Go somewhere safe that you know, so you're not getting lost without GPS and you don't put yourself in a weird, harmful position. Like I'm not saying like wander the streets at 2 a.m. without your phone. I didn't say that. Don't sue us if you get robbed at 2 a.m. wandering the streets of South Phoenix. But go somewhere safe. Go somewhere you know and, or with people that you know. Just go with, without your phone. Have a conversation where you can't look anything up to see who's right. Just go somewhere with some people. It's going to teach you a few things. This is my last thing. It's going to teach you a few things when you leave your phone at home. It's going to give you control over your FOMO. FOMO is the fear of missing out. This generation has a huge fear of missing out. And I think you just need to hear me say, you are an individual. You have worth. You don't need to be a slave to the opinions and plans of other people. Teach yourself internal stillness by not living in fear of what you're going to miss. Be confident in whatever you're engaged in at the moment and do not be afraid of missing what you're not engaged with. You're not there. You're here. You're doing this at that moment. Second thing, it breaks away compulsive behavior. It is wild to me that like phantom uh, ring is real. Like I, that There's moments where you feel like your phone is buzzing in your pocket and you look up and it's on the desk. That's probably not healthy. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be. But there's moments where like you just find yourself scrolling for no reason. Leave it at home. Go for a walk. Embrace the totality of that experience and that interruption. You don't need to worry about it. Break compulsion. If you find yourself reaching down for your phone, like you're scrolling while you're listening or watching to this podcast, you should leave your phone at home. 
that's for sure you. Uh, the next one is it restores a sense of autonomy. This goes back to boundaries. Are you reachable all the time? That's not healthy. You need to be off limits at some point in time. There are very few people in the world who need to be reachable at all times. And even they need a break once in a while. You have to have some autonomy, some control over your life to not be the subject of the urgent all the time. Now, there's parts of your life you can't escape from being contacted at. But the ones you can take control over that, even if for 15 minutes, you would be blown away by how being unreachable for 15 minutes feels awesome. It also allows you to embrace the fullness of the human experience. I know that I'm that weird dude that goes to the beach without music, but I will gladly be that person because waves are great. The ocean's great. Sitting and listening to the creation that was spoken into existence is great. There's abundance you know, of material in this world that we can engage with our senses. And this is somebody who has produced music and listens to music constantly saying, just embrace the fullness of your human experience. Stop making that be the weird part of you. It's really fun. We should engage with the world around us. And the last thing on this one is, you know, why leave our phone at home? It establishes rhythms of communication. When do you send emails? When do you not send emails? When do you send text message? When do you not? I have times where I send emails and times I don't. I have times where I reply to text messages and times I don't. We have forwarding for our church number and there's times that comes in and times it doesn't. And you know what? If that's not good enough for people, then I, I don't know what to do. That's just how it is because there's more responsibilities than just the job. There's more responsibilities than just replying to email. There's things happening now. There's things happening here. There's things happening in this place. And if I set my phone down, if I don't plan ahead, I'm going to be stressed out when I pick it back up. But if I plan ahead and I say, hey, you know, at at 9 a.m., at 12, at 3 and at 5, those are my like text response times at 9, at noon, at 3. Those are my email time. If I like plan some things out, then I know I have some gaps in there. Hey, I got this gap for sermon writing. Hey, I got this gap for a walk, for working out. I know that I'm not replying in there. It feels good. Then I go back to it. I don't feel attacked. I feel like prepared for what. I'm getting ready to face that there's 25 text messages because something caught fire. It is what it is, but I'm prepared. It establishes a rhythm of communication. So I, I say all these things to say, these are just a few things. This is my gospel on tech burnout. I'm not a, a giant of, of tech understanding, I'm not a doctor, but I really feel like as somebody who's faced tech burnout, this is just me sharing as we pursue this desire for rest on mission. Part of resting is avoiding burning out because mission is great. But if we don't put boundaries, if we don't really enhance these experiences of our life, then, you know, podcasts are great. This podcast is great, but we want to be fully functioning and rest in mission. And part of that is walking and operating in a space where we're not burnt out by the very good thing like technology and how we're recording this and how we're recording this video. We want to operate in a healthy way. So I want to encourage you. This is my last thing is set healthy boundaries, embrace boredom, be silent, leave your phone at home, and just begin that journey of breaking free from tech burnout. And honestly, we'd love to hear uh, where you're at with this journey with tech burnout. Like, how is it going? What's a step you could take? You know, where do you see yourself really struggling with? You know, any any place you want to like, comment and share. We'd love to be a part of that because this is not just a wake up one day. This is a journey 
of breaking free from a system that's really ripe with tech burnout. So I want to encourage you as we close today and as we end this Rest on Mission podcast, really and truly, that even the smallest step is the best place to begin. Thanks for listening to Rest on Mission. Rest on Mission is presented by Banner Church. Our host is Pastor Joshua Weisbrod. Our producer is Megan Fry. Make sure to subscribe and follow us online so you never miss an episode. For more information about today's episode, check out the show notes.